0: I don't know about you, but I spent much of the weekend following what was unfolding in Ukraine. I mean, keep th- keep hoping. One keeps hoping that somehow it would get better, and the evidence just showed that it wasn't. Um, it was, of course, beyond inspirational to see Canadians across this country over the weekend. People around the world gathered to show support for Ukraine. Buildings, bridges, monuments lit up in the blue and yellow of the Ukrainian flag. You can sense that for now at least much of the world has come together. To back Ukraine and condemn Russia for its deadly and illegal invasion of its sovereign neighbor. Well, Canada announced today further military aid to Ukraine, uh, sending anti tank weapons to help key fight Russia's invasion. Here's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau.
1: Yesterday, we announced that we would be sending new shipments of military supplies, including body armor, helmets, gas masks, and night vision goggles. Today, we are announcing that we will be supplying Ukraine with anti-tank weapons systems and upgraded ammunition. Of course, this is in addition to our three previous shipments of lethal and non-lethal equipment.
0: Canada also announced it is banning imports of Russian oil. We really don't import much Russian oil anymore, symbolic more than anything, but certainly a good move. Meantime, there were talks today, unbelievably, Ukraine and Russia meeting uh, near the Ukraine Belarus border, contingencies or contingents from both sides meeting, talking for several hours, no breakthrough. Again, this is the fifth day of Russia's invasion. Meantime, President Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine said that Russian troops have intensified shelling of his country, calling it an effort to force his government to make concessions at the those very same talks. Here's what that shelling sounded like today again. And of course, a lot of this shelling has been targeting, as far as we can tell, civilian areas. Residential areas, places where people are. The human cost is already staggering. Ukrainians, or Ukraine's interior ministry saying as of today, 352 civilians killed, 14 of them kids, some 1,700 injuries, 116 of them minors. Uh, the prosecutor of the International Criminal Court in The Hague today announced that he will launch an investigation into possible war crimes or crimes against humanity in Ukraine. There are also lots of people on the move. 580,000 people have fled already into neighboring countries, says the UN. And we've been seeing so many heartbreaking images of families split apart. Of course, the men under martial law between 18 and 60 have to stay. So you're seeing families, wives, kids, the elderly moving when the men stay behind. I've been thinking a lot about this, about what it's like to flee your home, leaving your loved ones behind, not knowing if or when you'll ever return. Ksenia Kizniak is an actress and lifestyle blogger, wife, mom to two girls, age six and eight. Life was pretty normal about a week ago. Now she's fled Kiev to protect her kids from the fight. She's with her husband. Her husband will be returning. Her father's still back in Kiev. She joins me now with more about what it must be like to have to leave home under these circumstances. She joins me from Western Ukraine. Kiznia, welcome to the show and thank you so much for taking the time to be here tonight.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. As I said before, it's really important for us, for Ukrainians, to tell the world what's happening with our cities, with our country.
0: I understand, of course, that the circumstances with which you left, um, all, the city was already under attack. Um, tell me a bit about those last 48 hours in Kyiv and what made you decide to leave?
1: Okay. Well, uh, like on February 24th, we woke up uh, because of the sound of explosions uh, in Kyiv. And first, we didn't understand what's happening. We thought like maybe it's something, something, but not the war. And then we read the news and we realized that Russia attacked Ukraine and that there are missile attacks. And so we spent the first day in our apartment. We didn't come out. Mostly we were hoping that this is kind of a bad joke and everything is going to end up quickly. So we didn't even tell our children what's happening. We just told them, you know, we're having a holiday. We're not going to school or to children's gardens. We're just going to spend some time at home. And then the night came and we realized that it's really dangerous just to fall asleep because we didn't know if it's going to be some more missile attacks or not. We slept with, our, with my husband, like, he slept one hour, then I slept one hour. And we were we are reading the news all the time to know if there are some more attacks or explosions uh, in our area. And then in the morning, we heard the air alerts, So that meant that we had to go down to the basement to keep safe or go down to the subway. We decided to go to the basement of our house where already were some of our neighbors and we spent a couple of hours. Sometimes we were going up just to hear that there are still sounds of explosions somewhere. And at that moment, uh, we realized that we have to save our children and we have to take them away from Kiev because, like, you know, the situation was tense between Russia and Ukraine for a long time. And one day, like maybe a few months ago, we were talking with my husband about what are we gonna do if the war starts. It was like you know like like when you're talking about something that's never gonna happen, but still you have to talk about like a plan, not even b or it's like C or D plan for like something that's never gonna happen, but it did happen, so uh, the plan was to take our children somewhere maybe in Poland and Hungary, somewhere from Ukraine, to take them to the border and keep them safe. And then my husband, he wanted to go back to Kiev, which is still is going to happen tomorrow. So when we we had the explosions again and again, we just took some of our things. I had to call my father to tell him that we're leaving. And when I called him, I heard that he just said, Xenia, we have shooting here, and then I heard the sounds of shootings in the phone, and then he put the phone down, and so I could call him only like in an hour. He he was okay, but still, like that moment when your father is telling you we have shooting here, and you exactly hear that shooting. It was, it was, it was really really hard. So we just put some things in our car and. We we went from Kiev. Uh, We were driving driving from Kiev. We spent like about two days driving. Um, We had one night in city Rovna. One of um, our far friends let us um, let let us uh, sleep in her apartment, and there in rovno there also was missile attacks and air alerts so we had to go down to the basement like two or three times at the night and the next morning we left again and we were driving to svalava where we are now we spent like 16 hours driving we got in a traffic jam when we were driving like for eight hours and it was it took about eight hours to drive um, 60 kilometers, I guess, because of the traffic jams. And all of the people are leaving, uh, are trying to leave, trying to go abroad to Poland or to Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, and other countries that seems to be more safe than our country right now. So we went here to Svalava. Here we are in a small hotel in the mountains. It's pretty safe here because it's far from the border with Russia. We spent here like two nights and, um, there was like a group, um, group of people who help, uh, refugees. And there was one woman who helped us. She gave us um, the possibility to live in her house, uh, for like, for how long we want, so tomorrow we're leaving to another small city. It's called, um, and we're going to stay in her house as long as we need. And my husband will—he will come back to Kiev. So,
0: um, yeah, that must be. I can't marks? even. I can't even imagine what that would be like to. To, and I know your father is still in Kiev as well.
1: Yes, my father is still in Kiev, and I'm. I'm calling him like ten times a day. <laughs> And I'm asking him if he's okay. And I'm, uh, I, I, he like is telling me, well, you know, it's pretty quiet right now. Or you know, yeah, there was a lot of explosions this day, so we had to go down to the basement many times. And like there was, um, there's no uh, food in um, in stores. Or well, th- there is food, but it's really few of it. And they have to stand in the lines for hour or two just to buy some food. And I'm really worried about him, but he said, like, it's my city, it's my country. I have no other place to go. And I understand him really because I would love to stay in Kyiv, but still I have children and their safety is my first, is my main duty. And my husband is leaving to Kiev because he wants to, he want to help those men and those uh, military who uh, who's protecting our city. So tomorrow I will have to, (laughs) I will have to say goodbye for, I hope not for long, because I'm really sure he's going to be okay. I'm really sure. I'm
0: back with Kizniak. She's speaking to me from Western Ukraine now, where she is with her husband and two children uh, after leaving Kiev um, late last week, fleeing the war after attacks began on Kiev. Her father is still in Kiev tonight. Uh, Her husband will be returning there uh, shortly and they will be staying safer in, on safer ground in the West of the country. Uh, you know, this, I mean, it, Just the story you've been telling is, so, is, is so, it's so gripping and so tragic in so many ways to see families broken apart. Um, what can the rest of the world do to help? I know this is a broad question, but what would you like to see countries like Canada doing to help you?
1: I'm not a politic or I'm not a military person, but I really think that we do need help because we're smaller than Russia, although I'm sure that our people and our men are much more honest, much more strong, they're really strong, and our people are strong. But I do think we need, we will need a lot of help to make our country reborn after what's happening, and we need some help to win this war because the war is real. It's not like kind of a small conflict or something like that. Our cities are going down. Our like our cities are under missile attacks. Our people are dying and that's not a joke. It's like World War II because everything that's happening, it's like stories from my grandma or grandfather, which passed World War. So I never thought that something like this could happen to us right now in 2022, in the middle of Europe. So we need the whole world to stand with us. We need your help. If you can help us with money, if you can help us with people, if you can help us with anything, that would be good, <laughs> actually. Yeah.
0: What have, you, what have you told your kids about what happens now? I mean, how, how does one even begin to have that conversation?
1: That was really hard because like the first day when we were were hoping that it's going to end up quickly, we didn't tell them. They were, you know, like we were so tensed. We were so scared and they were just playing around, just watching some uh, movies and laughing and dancing. It was so weird to see them so calm and happy when we were so scared. But the next day we realized that we can't just we can't just be quiet because they have to know what's going on. The situation was really serious and we had a lot of things to do. The way was really hard and they had to understand what's going on. So that moment when we just took them, uh, we, we asked them to sit near us and we were holding them by the hand and we just had to tell like girls, you know, that's what's happening. It's not a simple holiday when you're just not going to school because the war started. and they just like didn't understand that at the first time they said yeah okay war but what about us and we had to explain to them that we are in danger and we have to leave our home and they were asking but like when we already went out like we were driving uh on, on our way they were asking but we can't come back because like i forgot my doll or i forgot my book and I realized that I'm not sure we will will we ever come back to Kiev because nobody knows what's gonna happen then. I'm not sure if they're gonna ever see their home again. I'm not sure if I will see my home again ever. But I really hope this will happen. I really hope that we're gonna come back to Kiev and that we're gonna celebrate the victory because that's what we all want.
0: What happens in the next little while for you? I, I know that, that primarily you, you want to make sure your children are safe. Um, your husband's going back to Kiev. Um, f- what do you see happening? You're going to settle into this new home. I, I guess you'll try and create as a normal existence for your kids as possible.
1: Yes, I, I think we're going to stay at that house that um, is in um, um It's really close to the border. And probably there will be some people who are going to be refugees and maybe we can help them because right now there's a huge line on all the borders of Ukraine. Like people have to stand for days to cross the border and they really need help and we're going to be near there. So maybe we can help them with foods or with like, uh, I don't know, anything to cross the border. Maybe we can help somewhere some more refugees because like people right now are so friendly to each other in ukraine (laughs) they they have such a big hearts it's amazing actually the way we help each other and uh, so yes i think i'm gonna stay here in the western and the west of ukraine with my children and just and just wait for what's going to happen if the situation is going to be Worse, so maybe we will cross the border, maybe we will have to do that, but I hope we can stay here because it's our like our land, Mm -hmm. our our country, and we really don't want to leave for now. I really hope that we will have a chance to come back to Kiev.
0: I really appreciate your time. Obviously, we all wish safety for your father, for your husband, for you, for your kids, for your country.
1: Thank you so much, Ben.